You are beautiful. You are worthy. Your dreams were put on your heart for a reason. No matter what anyone else might think of you for following them. So stand up, stand tall, and stand proud. You were made to shine. Hello, my beautiful friends. I, you know, they've come out with so many technological advancements and I just wish, I wish there is a way for each person tuning in to this podcast episode today, which is really a near and dear one to my heart. I wish I could capture what I'm looking at for each person listening to this and send it to you because I am at the beach. I am at my grandparents' beach house in near Panama City. And I, you know, I can tell when I need to get back to the beach. It is my, it's like my safe haven. It really is. It's where my mom baptized me here this summer. It is like my center of gravity. And I think it's because the ocean and just the way of life here, it recenters me. It teaches me every time I'm down here, I feel like I learn so much more about God and my relationship with him and just who he is and the waves, the ocean, the sand. The, I mean, it just grounds me back into his truth. And right now I am looking at the most beautiful sunset It's like all the oranges and the reds and the yellows, they are kissing the very furthest line of the ocean. I wish Moana, how far I go, was just blaring in the background of this because it would be the perfect scene for that. But it is truly just a freaking beautiful moment. And I couldn't think of a better moment. It is now 6.55 on Sunday night. The Super Bowl is going on. This is how much, this is how far removed I am from football. I had no idea it was the Super Bowl tonight. No idea. So my fifth book came out today and I was planning on going live in approximately five minutes at 7 p.m. Eastern until today in church, Stevens Furtick said, I'm gonna preach all night until Rihanna comes on halfway through the Super Bowl. And I was like, what? The Super Bowl is tonight? So I had to pivot and go live at two o'clock, which actually worked out better because now I get to be on here with you and do this special episode that, that God kind of put on my heart. I realized, you know, and people have, have commented on this in my, in my content, I've become much more outspoken about my faith and much more confident in giving credit where credit's due. And when I speak to solutions on how to get through things, it always, it always comes back to God. Because, you know, my previous content, I feel like I tried to make it a lot more secular. And I tried to make it a lot more like, you know, the universe and do here's six tips to do this and all this stuff. And yeah, I could create that content still, but The reality of it is any solution I give you for anxiety, for going through a season where you're uncertain, where you're doubtful, where maybe you just need a little bit more pep in your step, which is why I think a lot of people tune into Made to Shine to AKA reconnect with the light in you. I can't talk to that without talking about the source of that light. 
I can't talk about the universe without talking about the creator of the universe. I can't talk about getting through hard times without talking about the one who promised us that in hard times, he gives us a hope that beats the hard times. He gives us a love that beats the pain. I can't do that. Any other solution I give you would be superficial and a Band-Aid. I want to offer you the ultimate solution. I want to offer you the thing that's bigger than me, that's bigger than this podcast episode you can tune into. I want to offer you a solution that you can take with you after you're listening to this and you put the headphones up or you, you're finished with your workout. The solution that goes with you when you're asleep, when you're in that meeting, when you're in that conversation, when you're in that relationship, when you're in that, I don't know what to do. I want to offer you an opportunity to get deeper with God when we talk. Because that's, that's the only thing that's actually going to make your life change. I don't just want to motivate you. I want your life to change. And I say that because when I listen to content, when I listen to certain podcasts and episodes or even church sermons, I'm not looking for a goosebump revival for 30 minutes. I'm looking for change. I'm looking for practical things I can do that make me better when I leave that space, when I leave that episode, when I leave that conversation, when I leave that discussion. And the only one that can do that is God. I can say the words, but his voice, his hand has to be on those words to touch your heart in such a way that you do something with it. And I realized that I've never actually shared my testimony. I've never shared how I came to Christ and how You know, after all these years, my relationship with him has evolved and gotten deeper and changed and how I can confidently say, it makes me emotional, but I can confidently say sitting here that he is the greatest love of my life and he is sovereign. He is king more than social media, more than my body, more than more than any sort of affirmation I could get from people, more than my family. Like he is king, he is sovereign. I think what, before I get into my, kind of my story, what's unique about it is that, yes, I've always known God, but I didn't always follow him. And that is a very different relationship. Like I've known about him, but I didn't, I didn't put him as sovereign. And there's a difference. And before I begin, I understand that so many people are of different faiths and so many people have different backgrounds. And that's what I love about this community. And I am not here to condemn anyone. Lord knows I don't have that seat at the table. I'm not. This is always, always, always a place of love and a place of openness. What I hope you get out of this is the story behind a girl that was once broken, that once tried to find her worth in social media, try to find her worth in her work, try to find her worth in money, try to find her worth in relationships, try to find her worth in a body, in looks, in external appearances, in the praise of people and got those things and still was broken and still wasn't satisfied. And only when she was surrendered to Jesus Christ Did she find healing and did she find peace? That's what I hope you get out of this. So 
growing up, I grew up in a very, I grew up in a, in a, uh, a spiritual family. I did. Like my mom and dad, we, they made it a point to go to church always. And, and I was always aware of God. I think that's where I look at my story as kind of three distinct phases. I wrote down awareness, belief, and following. And when I was little, like when I was a kid, I was aware of God. What I mean by that is I, I can't even explain it, but I had this connection to something bigger than me. Like I was not the little kid that wanted to go to slumber parties. I was the little kid that wanted to go into my room by myself and talk to, I mean, what I guess one would coin an imaginary friend looking at what I was talking to. But, but for me, it was like, it wasn't an imaginary friend. It was God, but I didn't have the verbiage for God. I just knew it was this bigger thing that loved me. And I just wanted to talk to him. I just wanted to talk to him and And I can't even really explain it, but it was just like, I felt so safe with him in a way that I didn't feel safe in the rest of the world. I was very, I was a weird kid. Okay. My family will tell you that I was a weird kid. Like I was always up to something. I always wanted to be something. Like I remember there was a phase I wanted to be a mad scientist. So I I would like steal my mom's really expensive makeup and I would throw it in my bathtub and I would like pretend to be making concoctions, right? And like I would, I didn't want to go to Louise Margison's slumber party. I wanted to go in my bathroom and make concoctions and hang out with God and figure out, God, what do you want me to be today? And it was a mad scientist. And the next day it was like Carrie Underwood and I was a rock star, but it was in my room and I was safe because it was only with God. And for some reason it was like I knew growing up this thing that I would talk to, this entity, this bigger hand on my life. I didn't know it at the time. Like I said, that it was God, but it just, I knew it wasn't judging me. I knew that it loved me. I knew that it cheered me on and it just felt like light. That's the only way I can describe it. It felt like light. And when I was in the presence in my room as a little girl, just doing whatever I wanted to do, I didn't feel anything but light. There was no darkness. There was no shame. There was no judgment. It was just, it was a full welcoming. And I remember the first time I I kind of really became aware, like, oh, that's God was when I, and I talked about this in my last book, but my dad, we'd go to church every Sunday and my dad um, would you know, they'd, they'd have like cookies and lemonade at, after church and everybody would rush out. I remember like thinking up my game plan about 10 minutes because I did not want to pay attention to that boring church that I went to growing up. And I was like, okay, 10 minutes and we're going to go. We're going we're gonna to be the first one to the cookies. And I would always look back and my dad would be staying after and he'd be kneeling down really focused in the pews praying. And that was my first impression of, oh, that's who I'm talking to. Because in my mind, I was like, who in their right mind would give up getting to the chocolate chip cookies first? And so when my dad stayed after to talk to God, I was like, okay, this God guy must be worth giving up first dibs on chocolate chip cookies for. And that's when I started to put the pieces together. Oh, it's God. It's God that I'm talking to. Like, it's God that I'm spending time with. And it wasn't a full knowledge of the Bible that made me fall in love with God. It started as a personal relationship. And I think sometimes we miss that. 
Like we think starting a relationship with God is we have to memorize all the scripture. You guys, I was, I was seven. I was eight years old. I didn't know any scripture. Heck, I didn't own a Bible until I was in college, right? And it wasn't because I sought it out. It was because it was given to me. But I had my entire life this personal connection with God. And I just hung out with him. Just like any relationship, you get to know the person on the other side of that relationship by hanging out with them, right? And that's what God and I did. We hung out. We did science experiments in my bathtub to my mom's makeup's dismay. That's what we did. And so that kind of carried me until in high school, you know, I was always aware. I was aware of God. I, I, I prayed. Sports got really busy though. And so we didn't prioritize church as a family. We didn't. I always prayed to God. I knew he loved me. I think for me at least, what was such a blessing was I never had the, the thinking or the mindset that because I'm not going to church, God doesn't love me. I think one of the blessings God gave me was, was starting our relationship with a personal standpoint. So even though like there was a couple of years, like my freshman, sophomore year, I wasn't going to church because my tennis schedule got crazy and all the stuff. Like I still knew God was with me on the tennis court. I still knew God was with me in every match. I still knew God was with me when I was upset that girls were flirting with my boyfriend at the time. I still knew God was with me when I was insecure because I had a ton of acne or because my hairstylist dyed my hair bleach blonde instead of my little honey blonde, right? Like I knew God was with me then, but I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was a full force believer. Like I was just very aware. I was aware, but I didn't believe in his power. And I think it's because at the time I hadn't experienced his power. I was just aware of this relationship that I had with him. And then I turned 16. And at the time I was in a relationship that lasted uh, about the course of three years. And I had just got my license. I was in my Ford Explorer that I named the Hulk. And it was like generations passed down, right? Like this thing was, was barely rumbling. Um, so the Hulk, right? I was driving the Hulk back from the SA, from SAT tutoring, which is pretty far away from my house at the time. And my dad always told me like, do not get on the highway when you first get your license. But of course, like any 16 year old, I got on the highway because it was the quickest way home. And it was about 10 o'clock at night. And I was driving and I was listening to Maroon 5. I can still remember, I was listening to Maroon 5. I had the volume up. And all of a sudden, all I heard was like the clashing of the glass of the back of the Hulk. And then I started flipping. And in Atlanta, the big highway is called 285, and there's about five lanes of oncoming traffic one way, five, five lanes of oncoming traffic the other way, and a, basically a semi-truck had hit me, and I, was, I flipped over four lanes of oncoming traffic, and I landed on my side, and um, a, a, a man, an angel of a guy, I wish I could, I wish I knew who he was so I could thank him to this day. My car was so smashed up, I, I couldn't get out. And so he pried open the, the doors and pulled me out. And it was a miracle. Like even the police, they were like, it is, 
I came out without a scratch. And I remember when I was flipping, like when I was literally flipping, and I didn't have one of those my life flash before my eyes moments. Like I didn't, I didn't have all these images come to my mind. The only thing that came to my mind was this story I once heard of a guy on a horse that all of a sudden it started prancing, like it started uncontrollably galloping and the guy couldn't stop the horse. And there was a cliff coming up and the guy was like, oh my God, this, this horse is going to jump off this cliff and we're going to die. And he basically let go of the reins and said, God, I give my life to you. Here it is. Have your will. And that was the only thing I could think of. And so I literally, like, I took my hands off the wheel. And you know, like the song, Jesus Take the Wheel? This was like an actual, like, like I literally, quite literally, like, was like, God have my life. Like, here I am, here I am. And I came out without a scratch. And the, there were just so many miracles involved because I flipped, I was totaled, my car was so banged up, I could barely get out, the people could barely get me out. But the miracle is that no one hit me in the four lanes of oncoming traffic that were coming on. And it was then after that, that I was very, not just aware, but like I believed. I believed in the power of God. I believed in the vastness of God. I felt something that day that just shook me to my core. It's just, it's like I woke up. It was like, oh my God, I'm not permanent. Life isn't forever. I am not immortal. And whether a lot of us would admit it or not, we act like we are guaranteed tomorrow. And I think one of the greatest gifts God gave me was that experience because I remember so clearly, holy crap, I am never guaranteed tomorrow. Here I was jamming to Maroon 5, she will be loved. And all of a sudden I was about to be dead. 16, gone. And I don't think it really hit me until my parents and my family showed up and I saw the look in my dad's face. It still like brings tears to my eyes, but I saw the look in my dad's face and I was like, oh my God, I actually did almost die. Like this precious gift of life was almost done, but God still has something for me to do. And here's the thing. And I think this is what would encourage a lot of people. You guys, I went through that. And I think you're expecting me to say my whole life changed. And that's what kickstarted this. I'm an author now. And I'm speaking about Jesus now. No, no. I believed in the power of God. But guess what? I didn't make any changes. I went to school the next day. And some say like, you went to school the next day? Like my parents, my principal, everyone was like, you don't have to come to school the next day. Guess what? I wanted to come to school the next day. Why? Because I was like the center of the show. Everybody was so worried about me. Everybody wanted to hear the story, right? Like I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to school. I'm going to be the center of attention. I am pumped, literally. It wasn't like I, I woke up and all of a sudden I was just like Mrs. Jesus walking around with a heart of gold and a heart of humility. Oh, no, no, no. The next day I woke up. I believed in his power. I believed in who he was, but my life didn't change because I wasn't following him. I wasn't following what he said to do. 
like my life for years, like the, 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 my, the rest of my junior year, the rest of my senior year, the rest of my freshman year of college, I was doing things with boyfriends that I shouldn't have been doing. I was gossiping about people I shouldn't have been talking about that way. I was always chasing the limelight, chasing the thing that people would clap for me about. I was constantly filling this void in my heart with, with worldly things, right? It's like my life didn't change. I believed in Jesus, but my life didn't change because I didn't surrender my ways to him. And I think before I go into the next part of my story, that's where a lot of us are. And that's why people are like, I gave my life to Jesus, but nothing changed. And, and I, I believe in him, but, but I haven't seen him. I don't see him the way you say you see him. I don't know him the way you say you know him. Like I go to church and I just kind of am thinking about Chipotle the whole time. And, and I, you know, I pray, but the whole time I'm like, gosh, can I just go ahead and eat dinner already? And like, I sing the songs, but I've never really cried cried like you've cried like I, I just don't get it and because it's maybe you believe in him and you believe in his power and you know he's the son of, a, of, of God but you haven't surrendered your life to him and that's where I was I believed in him. Heck, I loved him. I loved him. He saved my life. I had no doubt about it but I didn't invite him into my relationship with my boyfriend. I didn't invite him into the bedroom with my boyfriend. I didn't invite him into my money. I didn't invite him into my bank account. I did not welcome him into the dinner conversations with my friends in college where we were gossiping about other people. I didn't say, come on in here, Jesus, when it came to my, the thing that I cared probably the most about in the world at one point in my life, which was my body, how my body looked. I didn't invite him into those areas. I was like, Jesus is for church. I love Jesus. I believe in Jesus, but he's for church on Sundays. And that's where a lot of us are. And I say that to you because I get it. I get it. And for me, what changed is my sophomore year, I was in a relationship that Oh, goodness. Um, I thought this guy was like the one I was going to marry, truly. I was just, I was completely head over heels, blindly, full-heartedly in love with this guy. And after about a year and a half, almost two years, he ended it. And I was blindsided. I was gut-wrenched because it was one of those breakups that was annoying because it was like no one did anything wrong. It was just very much, he's like, you know, we're just, we're growing in different directions. And we were, but at the time I, I internalized that is I wasn't good enough, right? Like I did something wrong. And in that period, I remember it was like, I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep all I could do was run. Like I just wanted to run. I would wake up at like 2 a.m. I would go run like 13 miles. And it was because I needed my lungs to hurt so much that my heart, it like distracted me from the pain on my heart. And I couldn't listen to music because like 
all the music seems to be about love nowadays. So like I literally, I couldn't listen to music. I couldn't listen to podcasts or a TV show because love is in it. And so I started listening to Andy Stanley sermons from Buckhead Church. And it wasn't immediate, but over time, I started to heal. And I remember like I would be on runs and just start weeping because all of a sudden, Jesus was entering into parts of my heart and my life that I had been just closed up and so white knuckled about for so long. I didn't want to lose control over them. You know the scripture that said, he who tries to like save his life and preserve his life will lose it? That was me. I was trying to save my relationship. I was trying to save what I found security and I was trying to save myself from feeling uncomfortable. I was trying to save myself from, from feeling out of sorts and feeling off balance. And by just hearing God's word, Jesus came into those areas. And for the first time in my life, I just started feeling peace. It wasn't, um, it wasn't that I was healed right away because I wasn't. I mean, I remember walking around and like seeing, it was a small school I went to, so I would like see him on campus and, um, and I would all of a sudden, like I'd have to go into a bathroom and start crying and I had to call my mom, like, tell me it's going to be okay. Tell me it's going to be okay. And the fact of the matter is like through that season, it wasn't immediate healing, but there was immediate peace. I love the the imagery of peace um, that I once heard. It's like a lot of us think of peace as a beach, like the beach I'm at right now where it's beautiful and the sand is white and the ocean is calm. But peace is really, imagine the storm and imagine like a dove perched in between the rocks of a storm. And there's chaos everywhere. There's water all around. There's just roughness. But that dove is dry and safe in that little crevice in the, in the rocks. That's peace. It's a calmness in the storm. And through that brokenness is when I really found Jesus as my anchor. And that's when I started following him. It was like I had finally gotten to the end of me. There was nothing else I could do. I had achieved in my mind, which was like the, the, the best body I could ever have, running 20 miles a day, playing two hours of tennis, conditioning and weights. Like In my mind, I looked at having the perfect body as a status of achievement, and I had done the best that I could, and I still didn't feel good enough. I had had the relationship I thought was going to last, and it didn't, and I didn't feel good enough. I had the grades that I thought would make me perfect, and I still didn't feel good enough. I had the front of the personality and the reputation I thought would make me good enough, and I still didn't feel good enough. I had gotten to the end of me. And when I got there... That's when I was like, you know what? I have got to try something else. There has got to be another way. Because this, this isn't living. This is surviving. And I don't want to survive anymore. I want to live. I want to breathe openly. I want to live my life with an expectation, with a posture of peace, with a grip of gratitude, 
with an art of appreciation. I want to be in awe of my life. I want to be in awe of the things that, that I'm doing, that God's doing through me. And that's where any other religion in the world, whether it's, I don't know, any of the isms or even atheism. Like if you don't believe in anything, if you believe in just straight the universe and biology, it's up to you. It's up to you to carry yourself. It's up to you to make it happen. It's up to you. And I believed in Jesus, but I realized I was a Jesus believer, but I was acting as if it was still up to me. And what I recognized through those years and and now how I live my life is I am a vessel of God's work. And my job is simply to love him and love his people and follow in the will and the urges he gives me for my life. That's my job. And the best things in my life I've ever done have been when I was at the end of myself and what I thought I could do And I stepped forward and let God make a way and let God work through me. The world, other religions say it's up to you. Jesus, following Jesus is the only way that says it's not. In fact, at the end of you is when the greatness begins. And that requires surrender. That requires an openness of your hands. Because you can't receive what you don't open your hands up to. And there's some of us out there today that you are where I was, which is you know Jesus, you love him, you believe in him, but you leave him at church on Sunday. You don't invite him into the bedroom. You don't invite him into your college frat house. You don't invite him into your bank account. You don't invite him into your body. You don't invite him into how you look at yourself in the mirror. You don't invite him into your corporate job. You don't invite him into your friendships. You don't invite him into these spaces that you think he shouldn't have control over, that you think he can't handle, that you think he'll maybe make less fun, that you think he'll maybe, you know, set some boundaries for and will take away from you. But by holding them onto yourself, by yourself, You're going to lose them anyways. I promise. I promise. Maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you won't get there. But at least for me, I can tell you from someone who I'm, I'm pretty confident in my ability to plan and get stuff together. I'm not good enough or strong enough for what life has planned. And what life throws at me. But God is. And he calls me his. So in him I am enough. And when you follow him. When you give up your old ways. And take on Christ. You receive blessings. You didn't know possible. When you start giving. Financially. Someone once put it. Try to outgive God. Try to outgive God. You guys, I started tithing. I started giving financially. I remember the first sales commission check I ever made. It was like, I think it was like three, $350, right? It was when I was working at my first company. And I just felt it in my heart. I'm gonna give this all to God. I'm gonna get, and I did. I, I donated the entire thing to the church. What he's done since for me in ways I can't explain, try to outgive God. 
Try to outgive him. When you give what you have, he is going to tenfold it. Whether that's giving your time, your money, your love, your relationships, your sexuality, your body, try to outgive God. You can't. He wants to do good for you. He rejoices in doing good for you. That's in the scripture. Try to outgive him. But you can't, he can't outgive for you unless you give him some of the things you are holding so tightly. Follow him. Follow him. It's a verb. It's a verb. It's an action. It's a step forward. And I know it's scary. And I know you don't know, you can't map it all out like you like to do on your lists. And, and I know it's uncertain. And I know, I know it's uncomfortable. I get it. I was there. I remember it like yesterday. But it is so beyond worth it. Follow him. Follow him. Follow him. No, don't just believe in him. It's, it, I promise you, you want to cry in worship. You want to raise your hands without caring what anybody else thinks of you. You want to be able to give and have joy in your heart for giving, not just your money, but your time and your love. You want that. You want to wake up and say, God, show me yourself today. And all of a sudden, the world, it's more colorful. And you see things with a meaning that you didn't understand before, but now you do. And it brings tears to your eyes and you feel your heart soften. You hear stories that make you cry that at one time or another, you wouldn't even bat an eye about. To do that, it doesn't just mean you believe he's the son of God. It doesn't just mean you believe in God and that he loves you and that he loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. It doesn't just mean that you believe the Holy Spirit resides in you. It means you follow him. It means you give up your old life and take on your new. You take on this new garment. You take on these new ways. It means you follow him. You act. You move. You spend time with him. You get in your word. You Take on the posture of inviting him into every area of your life. Every area. Before anything I do now, I invite God in. You best believe before I get on a client meeting that a lot of times I'm super nervous for, for my tech job, I say, God, help me serve these people. Help me be a light in this conversation. I pray they see you and me so that they might want to get to know you and them. I pray you speak through me. I pray you give me the words to say at the very right time. I pray you help me pick up on things that other people would never be able to pick up on because you are are in me and you are with me. You are in this corporate environment. You are in this gym. You are in this bedroom. You are in this conversation with this person that I'm super nervous to have. You are in my social media. You are in my reels. You are in my posts. You are on my Facebook. You are on my Instagram. You are on my TikTok. You are on all the things. It's inviting him into the spaces that take up your life. There's no separation when you're following God. There's just following God. That's just what it is. It's in everything you do. It's an outfit that you don't take off. It's not one hat you wear. It is who you are. And it's the best decision you'll ever make. God, there's some people that are just tired. And they're tired of being tired. And they're tired of being exhausted. 
and they're tired of doing it all by themselves. And they feel the weight, but they can't put into words what the weight is because a past version of themselves could handle it. But now their grip is slipping and they don't know what to do and they don't know where to turn. And they thought they knew you, but all of a sudden they're questioning if you can handle this because whether they realize it or not, they're basing your ability to handle it on whether or not they can handle it, but they've got to follow you. They've got to follow you. And I pray that in their uncertainty, in their doubt, whether they've known you for a long time or they are just now getting to know you, whether they don't know you at all, but they're curious about you. They just have that seed of curiosity and it won't go away. They hear this episode and weeks from now, they're still going to be thinking about it because you just can't outrun the nudge of your hand. I pray they lean into that. And more so, I pray they do more than just believe. I pray they're more than just aware. I pray that they follow you because we need more sources of light in this world that are doing your will, Father, that are doing the will of your way, disciples of light and love that are leaning into the nudges that only you can put on our heart. God, I pray this for these people. I pray they surrender to you that part of their life that they haven't invited you into yet because they're afraid you're gonna reject them. They're afraid that you're gonna take away the fun of it, that they're afraid that they're gonna lose control. I pray that you remind them you are the source. You are the creator of the universe. You're the creator of fun. You're the creator of joy. So you know how to best deliver it. And I pray in Jesus' name, we invite you into these spaces and we choose to follow you at your word. No other explanations necessary. Use us, use us for your glory. And in the process, take us from glory to glory, your glory to glory. Amen. Hey friend, thanks so much for listening all the way through. The fact that you did says so much about your willingness and curiosity to get into your personal development and growth. You guys, if this episode touched you and your spirit in any way, I pray that you share with two friends that you think would really find value in this. This is how these messages get around. And I know I personally just really appreciate when a friend thinks of me when they listen to something and think that I'll find value in it as well. Also, if you find so willing, please tag to your Instagram stories and make sure to tag Annie B. Mayfield. At the end of every month, I will be doing a drawing from everyone that is posted on their Instagram stories for a $50 Amazon gift card. You guys, I appreciate and love you all so much. Have an amazing day.